Good morning. Is it still snowing out? So after we get out this afternoon at noon, we'll do a snowman contest? Maybe? I don't think it'll have enough, but it'll be fun anyway. Yeah. Good morning. Brother Lynn had a uh, last-minute relative kind of sneak into town on him, so he was going to spend some time with them, so he asked me to teach this morning. So I said, absolutely, really enjoy it. It's good to see everybody out. Um, I don't think I have really any announcements. We started FBI last week. Uh, we still have one, well... If you're still maybe interested and you're not sure, uh, need to get with me pretty quick. We're not meeting next week because we normally meet on Thursday evenings, and Thursday evening is our uh, servants' banquet. So, um, if you're if you're interested, one of you, one of the classes, let me know. I can figure out a way to make that happen for you, just to see if you're interested. So. All right, well, let's get started with a word of prayer, and then we'll just jump into the lesson this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, it's just, again, such an honor and privilege and to be in your house this morning. It's great to have some fellowship time with uh, our church family and, and hear the uh, conversation and the laughter and the, just the enjoyment that takes place when we're able to spend time together. Lord, we uh, ask with to uh, for you to be with our Sunday school hour this morning and our, the reading of your word, and that it would uh, maybe be an encouragement to us this morning. Um, that there would be something that we can take from the class at a personal level, not just as a uh, as a group, but something personal that we can take from uh, the teaching and 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 the preaching later that as we leave this place even this afternoon and come back this evening and go into our workplaces um, tomorrow that uh, can stick with us, can, can be a reminder or a, a, a conviction to grow closer to you. Lord, we know that uh, you love us and we love you, but let us never take that for granted, Lord. Let us always be working toward a greater love, a greater love, not only toward you, but to others as you've commanded us to do, Lord. I pray that uh, while we didn't take time to take up prayer requests, that anything on uh, our minds this morning that might be hindering our time with you, that you would set that aside. Let us concentrate on your word and what you would have for us and any medical issues that might be keeping us uh, so, somebody away that you would be working in that situation and, and you know what all these situations are for everybody here and everybody that uh, wants to be here but isn't present so we just lift all of that up to you and again as we open up your word we just ask that you be with us and present during this time we pray in jesus name amen all right we're going to be in first john this morning we're still in our sunday school class going through that book we're going to be in chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to concentrate, you're going to see a, a pretty consistent theme from John this morning on the topic of love, God's love for us. Now, I have a lot of things that um, love brings a, a kind of, you, you say that word and you can think of a lot of things that we, that we love to do, or that we love to 
spend time with or uh, and we'll talk about it in relation um, to the to the message but it got me thinking of a one of the things that I used to love but I I struggle with loving now and have for quite some time it's donuts so most of you know I'm a retired police officer and there's this ongoing joke I'm telling you if I'm telling you something you don't know here there's an ongoing joke with police officers and donuts right so about 15 years ago Burger King uh, used to before Krispy Kreme kind of got embedded in, in more stores Burger King was the place in town that you bought Krispy Kremes so they would have Krispy Kreme donuts there all day and they'd sell them they had a truck come in they would deliver a certain amount sell them all day and whatever was left at 9:30 at night they would call the PD and the PD would send an officer by to pick up what was left man it was usually one or two boxes wasn't too bad so if you were the officer for that section of town you would get that call to go to Burger King and pick up the leftover Krispy Kremes take them to the PD for the night shift so I got the call one night I was on that side of town it was a Friday night and I got the call run by Burger King go get the Krispy Kremes so I go up there and I walk in and it must have been like nobody in town bought donuts that day because I'm not kidding you there were probably over 30 boxes of donuts and they're like you got to take all of them where am i going to put these all these boxes of donuts and i'm thinking people will be driving by seeing me walk out of here with armfuls of donuts all right i'll take them so i got to the back seat of my car opened it up and i literally two-thirds of my back seat was full of krispy kreme donuts and so I'm like, oh boy, I got to get to the PD, get to the PD quick. Well, wouldn't you know it, I got a call. There's a big fight at one of the uh, nighttime establishments we have here in Ponca on a Friday night. It's a big fight outside, so it wasn't the kind of thing that could wait. So I run hot over here. I get out of the car, and there's a big pe- bunch of people out there, and they're just a fighting. So I get in the middle of it. You always find the biggest one, and you go after him. And I got him in custody, and I'm taking him to my car, and I remember <laughs> I got my back seat full of Krispy Kremes. <sighs> so I had him. I told him, I said, sit down, all right, on the ground there. So he sat down, and he's handcuffed, so he couldn't really go anywhere. But I, so I opened my back door. And I start taking all these Krispy Kreme donuts out and putting them in the front seat. And everybody at the bar stopped fighting to watch me get all those donuts out of the back seat and put them in the front. I'd never been so humiliated in all my life. So I I struggle with loving donuts, that's for sure. Well, John's going to talk about love for us today. We're going to read... do our reading this morning in uh, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7. 
And John tells us in verse 7 this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us, and if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, well, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath sent, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. John's kind of circling back to this topic of love. I mean, we've already talked about it um, in our lessons as we've uh, went through First John. And just as a little reminder, John's writing this letter to a church. And this church experienced um, some people within the church that kind of got caught up in some false doctrine and they left the church. So John's been kind of going over different items with the remaining people in the church because all of a sudden they had people leave under false doctrine and now the people that are left are left kind of wondering, are we doing, are, do we have our doctrine right? Are we really saved? Maybe they're right. I, I mean, you, you, remember, this is the first century. We're still relatively uh, several decades just since uh, Christ was crucified, and, and they're, they're still young Christians, and they're trying to figure out their doctrine, their faith. And John's been speaking with them and warning them and discussing ways that they can make sure that they know their salvation is real. And John's already mentioned to them, following the commandments of God. If you're following the commandments of God, then you can be sure your salvation is real. If you love the brethren, you love other Christians, you can be sure your salvation is real. And if you love not the world nor the things in the world... Well, if, you do, if you're doing those things, then your salvation is solid. Your salvation is real. We spoke last couple of weeks 
from chapter 3 where John took a few moments even to kind of warn us about uh, antichrists. I think that was one of the topics I taught in here last time. And just the general term antichrists, meaning anybody who doesn't teach the true gospel. They're an antichrist. And as we talked about, there's the antichrist, but there's also many antichrists. So we had those, those warnings and those lessons. So John now in chapter 4 is circling back to this discussion of love, and he's kind of broadening out to discuss the love that God has for us. That's rather obvious when you read these 15 verses, that word love in there is, uh, comes up 27 different times. Just in those 15 verses. Well, God is love, and love originates only from God. And this topic of love resonates, I think, with us. I mean, we seek out love, affection, um, tenderness, warmth. That's kind of what I think of when I think of, of love. Uh, we joke during the Christmas season, Hallmark, I mean, they make a, they've developed a whole genre just of movies on this topic of love. And do you know that there's 832 different Hallmark movies on the topic of love? There you go. So if you want to binge watch all that throughout the year, what it one a day would take you a couple of years. I also looked up um, some other uh, interesting uh, things on love and found some information on the longest love letter ever written. It was actually written by a Frenchman, which shouldn't surprise us, right? The French. In 1875, it was addressed to the love of his life, obviously, and this letter only contained the phrase, Je vous aime. Anybody in here pronounce French? No French? Did I say that right? Yeah. I practiced that several times yesterday. <laughs> Je vous aime. Or the, it means I love you. That's the only phrase this, this letter contained, was that one phrase. But it contained it some 1,875,000 times. This gentleman who was writing this letter to his um, sweetheart, the year was 1875, it was his idea, you know what, I'm going to write, I love you a thousand times the current year. So it'd be 1.875 million times. Now, what I thought was pretty interesting, while it was the longest love letter, he didn't write it. He hired somebody to write it. <laughs> well, now, he didn't totally take himself out of the equation, though, but instead of writing it, he dictated it to somebody who wrote it. So he sat there and verbally said, I love you 1.8 million times. The scribe wrote it out 1.8 million times. And to be sure the scribe got it right, the scribe had to read it back to him 1.8 million times. 
So this phrase was said or written 5.6 million times. I mean, love is really, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll go a long way or we'll, we'll uh, go through quite a bit just for some love. Uh, the word love mentioned, is mentioned in the Bible 310 times. Well, God is love, and we, and we know that. He created us because he wanted to spend time with us. He wanted that loving relationship. We were in FBI just this week and um, going through the first 10 steps of the, or the not first 10, but the 10 steps of the Bible. Uh, Pastor Yates, who teaches our class, does a great job kind of talking about that fact that God loves us. And that's why he created us. He didn't create us to be, um, you know, a automatons where we just do whatever without free will and you have this ability to choose to follow him or not but actually when he created us before the fall we had that relationship with him it was a singular relationship and and we had that that ability just to walk with him and see him in his glory and then we messed it all up and now we have the choice which is really what love kind of balances with you know i love my wife and 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 i hope you know she's not here today so i'll speak for her i think she loves me back but you know it wouldn't be the same if if it was just well yeah i just have to be here Okay. I mean, it just wouldn't be the same. But when you have a true love for somebody, I mean, there's, a, there's something deep there. And that love God has for us and what He does for us and what He has provided for us to be able to have the opportunity to spend time with Him is just phenomenal, isn't it not? And we start out in verse 7, John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Remember, we had this church split, and this letter is being written to this church that had this split, and part of the doctrinal error, and, we, and I believe we've talked about it too, was Gnosticism, this, this thought that you had to have this special knowledge or special relationship with God to be able to say you're saved and if you're not one of us or you're not you don't have this special knowledge then you're not saved well john is here in this verse is actually telling us that uh, the gnostics splitting again from this church believe that since they really knew god they had no obligation to love their brethren you know if they didn't have that special relationship with God or that special knowledge, then they weren't a part of them, so they were inferior to them. So they don't have an obligation to love somebody who's inferior to me. They don't, they don't have the, 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 the knowledge that I have. So that's the way they live their lives. Well, as Christians today, though, I think you know, that, that has application even for us. We must never be guilty of loving only those who measure up to, 
some imaginary standard. Whatever that standard is. And, and in our society, that standard does seem to fluctuate, doesn't it? And, you know, we shouldn't, we, sh- we are commanded to love all our brethren. And, and specifically in 1 John, it's commanding us to love our Christian brothers and sisters. You're to love all of your Christian brothers and sisters. And I've taught in here and I've taught in class and um, through my studies, it's been consistent that, you know, that doesn't mean just tolerating. It means loving them. It means loving them, loving everybody. Loving them as much as the best Christian that you know. You're supposed to love the least one as well. Maybe the person that struggles the most with a particular uh, area or sin, and you're to love that person. Well, and I think the application goes further even to, to be applied that we're to love lost people as well. We often talk about their souls to be saved, and there is. There is. But each one of those souls is a person. Each one of those souls is a person. And I think, again, I heard it said by uh, Yates in FBI, maybe. He said, you know, they're not the enemy. They're just another victim of Satan. And yes, it's our job to save their, to help them and to lead them to Christ and, and save their soul. But they're an individual. They're people. And we're to love the person as well. And it can be, that can be difficult for us, uh, depending on the nature of that person, right? And what they might be guilty of. But um, we need to be open when somebody, even in the, their lowest times of their life, reaches out to one of us to have a conversation and we need to be open to that person and, and, and show that love that Christ showed for us. Remember, he died for everybody. He loves everyone. So we're to follow that example. Verse 8 in 1 John, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Many might take this passage and look at this and say, well, now wait a second. Is uh, you got, but keep in mind, you've got to read this in context. This passage must be read in context with the rest of the letter. John here is not teaching that everyone who loves is saved. Even lost can show affection to somebody. So don't, don't get caught up in kind of what's, what he's saying here. In, in, a, in a specific term. It's, it's obvious that many lost people love others. This is only one of the many tests that John has given us throughout 1 John, right? But if somebody loves and is walking in the light, then those are the individuals that we can be assured that they're, they're saved and they know Christ. Remember, we've talked about over the weeks that it's this abiding in love. This abiding in Christ that can give you the assurance that you're saved. And that abiding is a continual action. It's a continual lifestyle. It's not a one-time, I did good 
today and now I'm, you know, that's not what it is because even the lost, as we've said, can love or they might do good on occasion, but they don't have that abiding nature in them to that, that they're walking in the light. And we're also to keep his commandments. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I love that strong language John uses. If they say they're following his commandments and you don't see that in them, they're liars. That's, that's tough. That's right, in, that's right at you, right? And we've talked about, you know, many here commandments, and they think Ten Commandments. Would Actually, what John's kind of teaching us here is that we're following the teachings that Christ had during as a part of his ministry. We're following how, how Christ lived his life and what he taught us. We're following those things. If we're following that, then we can be sure that we're, wa and we're walking in the light, and we are of Christ. And, and then finally... This person who is uh, loves others, is walking in the light, following their commandments, and has believed on Christ. First John chapter four, verse 15, that we just read, "Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he is and he in God." This person can be certain that they have been born of God if they're doing those things in their lives. Well, since the Gnostics claim to love God and, a pra and practice no love for ordinary believers, remember the, the, you know, somebody who didn't have that special knowledge, well, John is stating that this is evidence that they were not of God. John contrasts them with believers who really had genuine love of Christ for other believers and thereby evidence they are of God. If, if you don't have, I mean, the easiest thing that should come to you after salvation when you join a church is to be able to love those that are of His, right? And you come in this building, how can you not during fellowship time uh, visit with one another and just do so in love. You know, to, to, to just maybe just to listen. Or if somebody reaches out to you even during the week and they're a member here and they say, hey, I just need to talk. That's an opportunity. That's, that's family. That's family, you know. Talk to them. Show them love. Verse 9 in First John. And this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son in the world that we might live through Him. And verse 10, here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The ultimate show of love from God, right, right there, right? It was not we who first loved God, but He who first loved us and gave His Son, again, for the propitiation. So, 
This is a good time what's, you know, to go over again what propitiation is. What, what's John mean here? Well, propitiation is the complete and total satisfaction of all of the demands of justice, holiness, and righteousness for the penalty of sin to be paid in full. Each sin separates us from God. And we, you know, during the Old Testament, you had to have all, you know, these sacrifices that you had to make every time. And, you know, that, that didn't create the relationship that God wanted for us. So, here comes Christ to be able to pay that price, that one-time sacrifice that took care of everything, all the sin. This is why we can be fully forgiven and cleansed again from all sin. This is why we can be free of guilt. This is how, or this is how we can know that we are saved. It's that one time, that one sacrifice that was, play, that was um, done. 1 John 4.12, we read, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Now, when I read this, and I've had uh, people ask me this before, and I um, actually studied it out this time, we, we see that right there. No man hath seen God at any time. Well, now, wait a second. That's kind of... Isn't Jesus God? Doesn't Moses go up to the mountain and spend time with God? How is this reconciled? Well, comparing the many statements in Scripture that speak of no man having seen God with the many statements referring to men seeing God leaves us with the question. First, the references to man seeing God often specifically speak of the likeness of God or refer to veiled partial glimpses of His glory rather than to directly seeing God. And then secondly... John 1.18 makes clear that no man has seen God the Father, but that God the Son has visibly revealed himself to us. In other words, all true visible appearances of God in the Old and the New Testament were appearances of God the Son, who is the express image or visible manifestation of God. So you gotta, you got to take this in context. That's why, you know, you can... Uh, unbelievers or some uh, uh, critics will often pull statements like that out and see, see discrepancy in Scripture. No, no, it's not a discrepancy. You just got to do some study, look at it, and, and, and balance that out. 1 John four seventeen and 18. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Love is a growing process. When as a new Christian, um, you, you get saved, you get baptized, you join a church, and you learn how to start loving God's people. It's a growing process. 
um, you'll find an initial uh, feeling in your heart that, you know, yeah, I want to spend time with them, but I got to get to know them. I got to, I got to, uh, um, and that's a part of our job too, is to make them feel welcomed and to show them love. And so they can see examples amongst the church of how to love one another. And I often see that in our church where I, you know, I may know of a, of an instance of a need and somebody takes care of that or when uh, people pray for each other and then we see God work in those ways. Love is a, is a maturing process. And as we continue to grow in that love, then we continue to spend time with God. We continue to read His Word. Then we continue to grow and love as Christ would or did love. We continue to uh, grow and be more like Christ as we show that maturity. Love conquers the greatest of fears. Um, there's a lot of kind of scary things going on right now. If you pay attention, I try not to pay attention. It just, it's depressing, or it can be. So I just choose not to, I got enough things on my mind. I don't need to add a bunch of stuff to it, especially junk from the news or whatever. But if you have that love for Christ and you're saved and you're walking in His light, then there's nothing to be fearful of. We're getting ready, uh, in our class anyway, because uh, we're about to finish up with 1 John and, and 2 John and 3 John won't take long. And then I think we're going to go into Revelation and teach on that for a little bit. And often you hear and uh, hear people say, "Well, revelation, ah, oh, you know, judgment, and, and all this." Well, actually, it's God's way of purifying this place to make it acceptable for Him. It's the it's actually the the winning part of the story, right? There's no there's no fear, or there shouldn't be any fear in in studying that out and seeing how God's going to take care of the enemy. So we have nothing to fear. We're pre-trib um, believers when it comes to rapture. All that stuff is going to happen prior to. Now, as I've heard pastor say, I think he said it just last week or the week before. I don't know how bad it's going to get before that point. And it could get pretty bad, which is a, a great thing. I've really been blessed with uh, the theme already this year of being resilient through those times. But, you know, it's, we shouldn't have fear. Because we have the love of God. Um, again, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to the FBI class just this week. And there's a couple folks in here that, that were in there. I hadn't heard this story before. And if you had, I, you know, uh, humor me, I guess, for a few moments. But, you know, love, you shouldn't have fear in love, right? Well, there was a story of a missionary. He's a, he's a missionary and a father and a husband. And his mission field, I'm not sure exactly where it was at, but evidently it was a dangerous mission field. And, you know, the kind that if you get, if you get caught, uh, even with a Bible, you can be put to death or, or uh, much less holding church services. Well, he was discovered. 
And the authorities there uh, grabbed his family. He had two kids, a wife, and they dug this deep hole. And they threw his wife and kids in that hole. And they looked at the pastor and they said, Okay, denounce your God or we bury them alive. And he kind of hesitated. He's, you know, who wouldn't, at least for a moment maybe? He thought, oh my gosh. Well, his wife at that point looked up at her husband and then kneeled between her two young kids, looked at the kids and said, kids, we get to go see Jesus today. And the pastor didn't renounce. And that day, his wife and two kids died that day. What I didn't know was uh, that the hymn we sing, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, is based on that story. And, you know, that's the type of fear that love can overcome. I mean, and I can't imagine can't even imagine but you know when we're when we're teaching on resiliency and and love and being able to overcome and and what great stories as reminders for us that you know there's a lot of folks out there dealing with a lot worse than we are and it's that that love of christ that gets all of us through all of it right well, like I said when we started, we all long for love. We uh, love watching, the, I, don't, I don't watch them, I haven't watched one Hallmark movie. And I'm going to stick to that as long as I can. But we long for love in other ways too. We long to be loved, we long again for that warmth that love provides, the comfort and protection. We look for love. We, um, we like to be loved. When you, I mean, there's nothing that feels better when you get into a group, right? Even in this church, when somebody might show an interest in you and they, and they help you through or they're willing to listen. We long for that. Well, I found another story. I'll tell this and then we'll finish. Lighthouses are... We all know what lighthouses are used for, right? Well, this, these lighthouses, of course, are used to guide ships around hazards, around the shore. And they send out signals to the passengers of the ship and the people running the ship on what they need to do to safely navigate that area. Well, the story is one lighthouse in particular up in uh, Massachusetts. This lighthouse on that coast has been sending out the signal, I love you, since they built it. Kind of a unique signal for a lighthouse. Well, Coast Guard came in and they said, well, we're going to have to update all the equipment. The equipment's old. We're going to update it, put in brand new equipment, and it'll be an updated lighthouse. But when we put in the new equipment, it won't let us do the I love you message anymore. And the residents went berserk over that. Said, no, mm -mm. 
We want our lighthouse to still say and to continue that message continually, I love you. So, and they complained so much so that the Coast Guard actually relented and said, all right, all right, we'll leave the old equipment. And to this day, that lighthouse still projects that message, I love you in Navy code to the ships that come by there. And it got me thinking as, as I was reading this and studying, God loves us. You know, and, and he gave us this book to me kind of as that beacon, as that continual beacon to kind of tell each and every one of us that he loves us. You got to open it. You need to get to know him. As uh, said during the early parts of his ministry, as he was, uh, you know, uh, gathering his disciples, many times it was simple as follow me or come and see. Just follow me and come and see. And then when you do that, when you simply come and see or you follow him, then you get to experience that love. And I hope uh, if we have guests here uh, now or even here in a few minutes as we open up the doors for our uh, services here in a few, that uh, we as members can show and be a beacon of love to those that do uh, come here as guests as well. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the message and the study for uh, this section of 1 John. It was truly a blessing for me to really kind of contemplate and study what, what your love truly means. And, and it, it, in reality, we can't even put our uh, minds around the extent of the love that you've shown us. This could be an ongoing series just on this one topic. I'm grateful that John took the time in his epistle here to kind of, just in 15 verses, to kind of give us a good grasp of maybe what, where to even start understanding about how much you love us. You love us that you gave your only Son to come, live amongst us, prove that, uh, that he could live a sinless life, and then yet was crucified, not for anything he did, Lord, but for everything that we've done, have done, will do. And that one sacrifice still carries to this day and will always carry. And it gives us the opportunity and hope that all we have to do is show faith in Him and follow Him. And that we too can experience a renewed, eternal relationship with You. A love that, again, we just can't put our heads around, but we're so grateful for. As Pastor finishes his last bit of preparation for... Uh, his sermon, we just ask that you be with him and be with our services to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.